Well, that, that hymn, um, The Church's One Foundation, is a great hymn for today. It is full of language from Ephesians and Revelation. So we go from church to Bible study, where we're studying Revelation, and uh, you know, we're, that's where our hymns come from. People read the scriptures, and, and they try to express the faith in, in some new ways. So I would encourage you to, uh, to take a look at this reading that we have from Ephesians for today. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. It's on page 5 in the worship folder. And uh, it might be helpful to have a, a writing utensil. I'm going to ask you to mark some things in there. Uh, if you've got your own Bible, it's, I, I'm a big believer in taking notes in your Bible. So I would encourage you to do that. But uh, um, if, if nothing else, please at least take the, uh, the worship folder and turn to page 5 so you can kind of follow along here. Um, as we go through Ephesians, uh, we're doing a little bit of jumping around. I, I don't know if you remember, but last week uh, we read from Ephesians chapter 1, kind of the first half of the chapter. Um, the, the reading did not include Paul's introduction, his, his, his greeting, but I threw that into the, the message. So the, the reading was actually Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every blessing of the Spirit. And we talked about that. And now today, we go to Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Most chapters, just so you know, biblically speaking, most chapters start with verse 1. So there, there's something missing here. You know, and I think it's a valid question. Then, if we're looking at the, our Bibles, looking at the text, to ask, what about Ephesians 1, 15? through chapter 2, verse 10. Where are those at? Well, they uh, are also within the pericopes. They're also within the scripture readings that are appointed for the year. You just find them at different places. So Ephesians 1, 15 through 22 is actually the epistle lesson that is pointed for Ascension Day. Uh, Paul gives thanks for the faith of the Ephesians in that reading. He, he prays that God, Father, and Jesus Christ give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the, the Holy Spirit. Uh, one of the things that's really rather interesting in Ephesians is how often Paul references the Trinity. It's something that, that you see throughout the letter. And, and he recognizes Jesus as the one who's seated at God's right hand. In the heavenly places. Well, when was Jesus seated at God's right hand? The ascension. When he returned back into his heavenly glory. And he sits down and he's kind of done with his work. And the other thing that's really neat about that passage is that it identifies the church as Christ's body. You know, we believe that Jesus bodily ascended into heaven. But now he works through his body, the church, in the world. And that's a pretty important part of Ephesians as well, talking about the church as the body of Christ, the church having that mission that Christ had to bring forgiveness and salvation to the world, the forgiveness and salvation that Jesus won for us. Well, chapter 2, these are some of the most famous verses of the book of Ephesians. By grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of works. It's a gift of God. Uh, we actually read that this year, back on March 11th. Do you remember? Fair enough. Uh, I had to look it up. Uh, it's the fourth Sunday of Lent, and we read that as part of our worship service that day. It talks about how we are dead in our trespasses and sins, 
And there's this important phrase in there. Um, it says, in which you once walked. And walking in biblical terms is talking about your way of life. And he's saying that, you know, in our trespasses and sins, we walked in these things. They were our way of life. The way of life that we followed was sin and death. But the key point of this, this whole reading there is that by grace you have been saved. That God has intervened in your life. And it, all, it ends with this incredible message that we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, once we come to faith in Christ, once we have God's grace at work in our lives, our way of life changes. It's no longer that we walk in trespasses and sins, but we begin to live a a life of repentance. We receive the salvation as a gift through faith, but then it shapes us, it changes us, it transforms us, so that the way that we used to live, we shun that. It's not to be tolerated in our lives. But instead, we walk in the ways that God leads us in. To walk as his people in this world so that we become his his witnesses. Well, we continue with our our epistle reading for today. And as we go through this reading that we have today, I think it's really important for us to remember that Paul wrote this from prison. Probably in Caesarea. and, And he was arrested for defiling the temple. This was a false charge from the Jews. Now, the Ephesian church is full of people who are Jews and Gentiles. You have kind of this this interesting um, group of backgrounds, of, uh, of, of, of ethnic backgrounds that are, that are part of that church. Because remember, Ephesians is this huge cosmopolitan city. A lot of people traveling through it. And, and, and so you have people from different, different nations, different languages, and, and they, they come to faith. And a good portion of those people were Jewish people. And the Ephesian church had both Jews and Gentiles. And then when you think about Paul being arrested on false charges from the Jews because they thought that he had brought Tromphemus the Ephesian, into the temple, which he had not. Can you see where that might bring a little bit of tension? Because the Gentiles are looking at the Jews and saying, wait a second, what are your people doing? What's going on? And Paul is emphasizing to them, this is not about your ethnic backgrounds. This is about who Jesus is and where Jesus is at work in you to bring you together. And he pushes hard on that message today. That this isn't some ethnic thing that's going on. This is for the glory of God to bring the message of salvation to more and more people. And so we dig into the reading. And it begins, therefore... Whenever you're reading the scriptures and you see the word therefore, you should ask what the therefore is there for. Okay? Um, And it's to remind you of what was just said, something that we didn't read today. 
What does Paul want them to remember? By grace you have been saved. This is the heart and core of their relationship with God. And then that becomes the heart and core of their relationship with one another. Salvation by grace through faith connects us to God, and then that hope and life that we have in him brings us into unity with each other. And he says, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, which, by the way, is a racial slur. It is translated into English much more kindly than what Paul actually wrote. Called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by the flesh, by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, if you've got your writing utensil, I'd like for you to draw a rectangle around the word remember in verse 11, and then again in verse 12. Why is he hitting this word twice? Remember. It's because he's building upon what he's said before. Remember where you came from. Remember what your status was apart from Jesus. And he wants them to remember that what they were without Jesus were people who were separated. You know, if you want to underline that word, that'd be a good word to underline. Separated from Christ. And when you're separated from Christ, that means that you're, you're alienated. You can underline that word too. From the commonwealth of Israel. The place where God's promises were given. You're alienated. And then you're strangers, if you want to underline that word, that'd be good too. To the covenants of promise. And notice it's not just that you're, you're, you're alienated from covenants and God's law, and his, but the covenants of promise. This is talking about God's salvation. And then he, he kind of sums the whole thing up saying that if, if this is who you are, separated, alienated strangers, it means you have no hope and you are without God. Which is a pretty bad place to be. And he is reminding these people who are experiencing conflict... Remember where you were before you heard the gospel. Remember that you had no hope. Because the religions of the world and the philosophies and politics of this world actually give no hope. They leave us dependent upon ourselves, on our own abilities, and they leave us lost because we don't have the strength we need God to intervene in our lives, to actually have hope. And the only way that we have hope is when we have God. He's saying, remember, remember, remember. And not just, you know, to kind of push them down. You know, sometimes we remind people as kind of a, you know, a dig. You know, remember what you did when, ouch. That's not what he's doing here. He's calling them to remember so that they recall and so that we recall God's grace. He is driving us to recognize 
that the fellowship and the unity that we have with one another is rooted in the unity that we have in Christ because of what Jesus has done. So he calls them to remember where they were, and now he leads them further on, and he says, but now in Christ Jesus. Maybe double underline that. But now in Christ Jesus. Not because you're so enlightened. Not because you're so intellectually intelligent. You know, you know that these racial things don't matter. No! Because you're in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus died for all of you. And you believe and you have hope in him. Now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Underline that by the blood of Christ and put an asterisk next to it. Paul returns to this over and over again. The cross and Jesus' blood. Because when we start talking about the life of faith, it is always about what Jesus is doing. It is always empowered by his spirit. And without Christ's sacrifice, without his forgiveness, without his salvation, this all just kind of becomes a morality play. Well, you should do this because why? Because you should do this. No. We live as different people because of the salvation that God has given us. He's taken us from death to life. He has changed everything for us. And Paul returns over and over again to the fact that this is about the blood of Jesus. That blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. You know, this dividing wall of hostility. It, it, what is that? To some degree, it's, it, it's hostility with God. The sinful mind is always hostile to God and in conflict with him. Because in our sin, we live under his judgment. But I would submit to you that in Ephesians, this is talking about hostility between believers. And when you look at this reading, the main point that Paul is making is verse 15. And, and you might want to make, make uh, like a wavy underline underneath that to help you remember that this is kind of the main point of the whole thing. He's saying that by Jesus' death, by his blood, he's abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. The relationship we have with God is not, not about us keeping the law. It's not that the law doesn't matter anymore, but Jesus has fulfilled it. 
And because Jesus has done this, he's done something new. He's created in himself a new man, he calls it. A new humanity. A new Israel. In place of the two. So where there's this, this ethnic tension, Paul is saying to them, in Christ there is no ethnic tension. There's only Jesus. There's only his mercy. There's only his forgiveness. There's only his salvation. And our peace is found in him. Because his blood reconciles us to God. And because we're reconciled to God, guess who else we are reconciled with? Yeah, one another. Living in his forgiveness together. He goes on and he says, And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, circle that word him, we both have access in one spirit, circle spirit, to the Father, circle Father. Another testimony about the Trinity here. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Underline that if you would. And you are fellow citizens with the saints. Underline. And members of the household of God. Underline. No longer strangers and aliens. That's pretty cool for people who were alienated strangers, having no hope and without God. He's saying your situation has shifted. It's changed. Why? Because God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are at work in you. He's made you members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, circle that if you would, you also are being built up together in a dwelling place for God, please circle, by the Spirit, please circle. Another testimony to the Trinity. We're built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. Why? Because the apostles and prophets preached Jesus. And they still do through the scriptures. And so we return there over and over again to our foundation where we find Jesus is the cornerstone. He's kind of that key point that everything else is built from. And the whole foundation is built off of him. In him, we are joined. And in him, we grow into a holy temple. In him, we're built into a a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I think sometimes we take this and, and we make it all about me. But Paul's not talking about individuals here. He's talking about us. That the Spirit is at work among us. Remember what Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name? There I am in your midst. This life of faith always calls us to community and reconciliation with one another. 
It calls us to stand upon that foundation of the apostles and prophets who preach Christ to us and to stand shoulder to shoulder to receive God's gifts, to experience what he's doing. And please notice that it talks about growing and building. You know, often when we hear those words, we think about size. We grow bigger. We build higher. And I believe that God gives those things sometimes. He gives that kind of growth where churches get bigger. But that's not always the growth that God desires for his people. Sometimes he grows us in maturity. And he deepens our faith. And he builds us up for strength and hope to walk by faith in this world. What's not seen in this passage or in the book of Ephesians is stagnation. What's not seen here is just sit back and and do nothing. It's God has done everything to bring you life and salvation, and now we live the life that he's given us together. So we're not called to stillness. We are called to be still and know that I am God, but after that we we act in the faith that, that he has led us to because the Spirit is at work here among us. Whether to grow us in size or or in maturity or to build us numerically or or in faithfulness, um, we shall see. And the only way to see is to, to follow into the future that God has prepared for us. The Lord knows what he is doing. And we need not be anxious about the future because Jesus is our peace. And it's the Holy Spirit who unites us. He grows us. He builds us. So that we will be people among whom it will be recognized that God is with us. Amen.